Hey everybody, this is Nate from Original Freedom. If you're a fan of the show and want to hear more from Scott and Tom Spooner, including their transformational program, Crushing the Cage, check out Original Freedom Thrive at ogfree.com backslash thrive. Mic check, one, two. Tom, use your word. Hey, you. That's Original Freedom. What's up, everybody? This is Nate Horgan and Scott Spooner here on the Original Freedom Podcast. And uh, today we are located in uh, Rock Hill, South Carolina, uh, closely associated with Charlotte, North Carolina. And we're here today at an amazing, amazing shop, beautiful company, Core Auto Sports, and with our good friend, Morgan Brady. Morgan, thanks so much for having us and uh, giving us your time, showing us around the place today. I told Nate on the way here that this is the most excited I've been for a fucking podcast. Um, and I just want everyone that's listening to know it. It's because uh, I have such respect for you um, as a businessman and as an entrepreneur. Um, we've known each other now, I guess, going on four years. And uh, in, that, in that short period of time, what I've done is learn from you so much um, and really also just been in your, your, your sidecar of, your, of a lot of your success uh, along the way. And on the Original Freedom podcast, you know, our, not our slogan, it's not our tagline, it's, it's what we're here for is to help facilitate the creation of more powerful humans um, into what's possible, expanding what's possible for them and their lives. And uh, there's, you know, my belief system here, uh, you have a story of absolute um, guts, uh, adversity, failure, learning, massive success, fatherhood, you know, being a young lad to, to being a husband, to starting a family. And in the midst of doing all that, create one massively successful company and also then take the reins of a sister company run both of them at the same time for a bit and now manage to get it manageable to where you're at really buckling down on one and taking a, a you know a, a win turn into investment and reaching again also when a time you could have gotten super soft and said hey i got a big win you reached again so i know that's a lot for everyone to to take on board but that kind of also gives you what you're about to get you're going to get a guy's story um that is going to be raw. It's going to be his absolute truth. And, and I can say that because I, I love this man like a brother as well. And he's one of my truth tellers uh, in life. He's, he's someone I go to for advice. Uh, someone I go to, to, to couch my, my business ideas with. So there's no doubt that everyone is going to get a lot out of what you have to share. Uh, and with that, I'm going to end this god-awful monologue and turn it over to you to let you tell us in your way your version of your story and how it is you got on your path to where you are now yeah thanks scott um and and nate thrilled to have you guys here um you know we're sitting in our conference room as scott said that has uh you know some of our winnings along the way and um you know it's been equally cool for for me to see you birth original freedom right you know see that yeah. see that come from just a you know a phone call that says hey man i got an idea uh to be sitting here on the podcast you know listen to some of the previous episodes we've been talking about this one for yep. a while yep. and uh you know really interested to kind of see see where we go today you've you've had a lot of experience in life um 
geographically um, and business. Uh, you've parlayed a winning uh, racing career into a winning um, manufacturing career. You know, there, there's sure. there's a there's a good bit of meat um, in your story around each one of these transition points in your life, you know, as you walk down this path that ultimately led you to here. So if you would just, I mean, go through a middle highs and lows and, 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 uh, teach us along the way. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I mean, for me, life got started, you know, born and raised Northern New Jersey, super proud of it. And, um, I don't really know, uh, what drove me to, but I, I was always interested, um, in, in business. And I just wanted to work. I just wanted to work hard. You know, yeah. I, I think I, I very, I liked freedom, right? Some, yeah. Something yeah. you guys are all about. Yeah. And, and, you know, before the rest of my friends, you know, I didn't have to have anybody explain to me that there was a connection between having a couple coins in your pocket <laughs> and having some freedom, yeah. right? So like I, I wanted to work. I wasn't really too interested in going to college, but you know, along the way, got my driver's license, got really into, you know, work, you know, working on cars, enjoyed working with my hands. Um, didn't really want to go to college. I wanted, I thought the construction thing, I thought that was my deal. My parents said, all right, just humor us, right? Just, just go to college, yeah. right? Uh, or, or sorry, not even go, but just apply, apply to one college, <laughs> right? You yeah, know, yeah. take they, a swing, kid. Right. They, they set the bar super low. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And they knew it was a bit of a scam because they knew I would get in, right? Yeah, I had decent grades yeah, yeah. and stuff, but I wasn't too interested in it. So I apply. I was really into snowboarding at the time, and I, I applied to um, University of Vermont because I liked snowboarding, right? I figured if I got to go to college, at least I could go snowboarding. I applied to University of Vermont, get in straight away. And I applied for engineering because I felt like engineering, it was somewhat, you know, I, I was very into, um, you know, and again, at a young age, like, very into taking things apart, take them apart, put them back together. Um, you know, I, I think at a lot of levels, like if you understand how to think, take things apart, when you go to build something, mm. you know, maybe if it's a company, you understand what those pieces are. So, all right, I'm, I, I finally get into college, go to one college, uh, University of Vermont, and really I, I didn't do well um, my, my first two years because I didn't have, I didn't see a connection right of what of what this was going to do for me i didn't know what it was going to do for me and um you know really needed that connection of you know what's what's the reward here um and so i i failed out twice i'll, I'll tell you right now yeah, yeah. failed out twice on um on grades and it's just strictly because there was no relevancy no like relevance. th this doesn't is not going to get me that so this is yeah. not important I get that. Um, and I think it was really, you know, what changed for me is, you know, I, ha I, have, I realized I have this interest in, in cars, right? Ever since I had my license, I had this interest in taking things apart, playing yeah. around with cars, <clears throat> trucks. Um, and, and I don't know why it didn't click sooner, but all of a sudden I was like, hey, I could take this education that I'm getting and, you know, somehow combine what I'm passionate about and what I'm learning, and there's there's a career path there. Um, and for me, it, it originally it was around maybe working on on road cars, on street cars, like going to work for a big OEM, right, uh, a, a big automotive manufacturer. Yeah. Um, 
you know, maybe do some R and D type stuff. I didn't want to do production work, but I thought R and D testing, that's kind of, that's kind of cool. Um, but it was about the same time that I got into racing and like deep into racing, like, wait a second, I'm into racing recreationally. I'm into cars and I'm going to school. This is it. Trifecta. This is it. Right. Um, and I could probably earn a decent living. So you put those together. Um, and you know, next thing you know, I start getting straight A's, you know, did well for the remainder of college, um, and, and made it, made it through. All right. Yeah. So you, you, the cool things that I heard so far that are big was, um, until you aligned passion with the learning, the learning didn't matter. That's what I heard. Essentially, it it really didn't matter. Um, And I think it's just an important thing to point out. I think folks lose sight of um, that. Just go get an education. It's like, why? What education? What focus? Because you said it, you didn't do well until you cared. And so just a big thing around that piece, around the passion. And it was interesting. The last thing you said was, and I can make a decent living at it. You didn't say, let me go find a way to make a living. You a lot right. of passion, you know, it came last. Yeah. And, and that's where when a lot of people, you know, if I get somebody coming to me, you know, at this point, okay, maybe some people come to me, they think, Hey, you know, what do you, what do you think I should do? Right. You know, somebody at that, whether you're at high school age, college age, yeah. or you're 40 trying to make a job yeah, transition yeah. and, you know, kind of where I steer people is like, okay, you know, if you have these three bubbles of something you're interested in, something you're good at. And something you could make money at, right? Where what's the overlap mm-hmm. of those three? The Venn diagram. The Venn diagram, right? You know, yeah. where do those three bubbles overlap? You know, that's where you should should put your focus, right? Because then nice. you're going to get fulfillment because you enjoy it, make a little bit of money. Hopefully, you're good at it too. Yeah, that's. It. I don't know. See if it aligns with it. Jim Collins' book, um, "Good to Great." Right. The, the one of the theories uh, that makes it from a good to a great idea was that one. Uh, you have passion for it. Two, the margins are there, and three, you can compete with or be the best in the industry, right? That's there you go. Pretty yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah. Close that, parallel. That, yeah, yeah. Really cool. So then, I know you ended up um, at some point out of college and on a race team out in California. If you yeah. could take us through that journey. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I was just hell bent, you know, and and I think that's another theme for me throughout my career. You know, once I've once I've picked a direction on something, like it's happening. Yeah. You know, no matter what sets me off that course, no matter how many times I get denied on something, like this is happening. Um, and so, it, it, you know, and another thing is like doing deep research, right? So it's like, okay, I'm I'm a senior in college. I want to get a job on a race team, right? Like. I figured out the email address of like every team manager out there. Right. And so finally I get a job in California, fly out to California sight unseen, you know, pop everything in the car, head out there sight unseen. Um, and I start working for this, this small race team and, um, you know, Nate, Nate and I were talking about this a little bit earlier, but, but the beauty there was, um, working for a small organization, you know, I got, I got to touch, everything yep. that was going on. Um, you know, I, at this point I say like, you know, I did everything except driving the truck and, 
um, you know, really learned a lot of skills along the way um, that that have helped that helped me day by day today. Um, so, you know, small race team in in kind of a junior indie car type of type of series, and um, you know, an, an amazing mentor there with Shane Senevaratna, who's who's still in the business today, still a close friend. But, uh, you know, really took me under his wing and, and he appreciated this attention to detail. Right. So it was like carrying a skill that I had, carrying that skill forward, mm-hmm. um, applied again, the attention to detail and, you know, just a willingness to do whatever needed to get done. I don't think I, I don't know if I had a job description. Yeah. You know, that, that's another thing for me. Like, I don't know if I've ever had a job description anywhere I've been. You know, if I have had one, I've never cared yeah right you know and i I see a lot of people today you know that are really boxed in by their job description um it's out of my lane sorry bob that's out of my lane right (laughs) right i don't i don't know what a lane is purview yeah i don't know what a lane is um and if it's like you know for the people that are out there hey i want to get a promotion or something like what if you just started doing some of that stuff right now yeah um, acting as if act as if yeah, yeah. And, and if you want to you want to get that promotion you you want to know what to do when you get there yeah. why not start yeah um you know and if i look at people that i've promoted along the way you know they've definitely followed followed that same theme how many years ago were you out take it when you started out in california on the smaller race team from now yeah how many years yeah, ago was we're, that we're talking 15 plus 15 all right so years. 15 years there yeah. and how many years you do there um, that was about four years, right? Um, so four years, three, four years of, of kind of learning the ropes and, you know, next thing you know, team manager, team manager quit. And I was working for the team owner and, and team owner's like, Hey, we don't have anybody else. And you're, you're kind of already doing the job. Why don't you do the job? Um, and, and spent the time there. But, but one of the things that happened there is ultimately like that the team, um, not so much from the way the team operated, but the business model was not financially stable. Right, right. Um, you know, and ultimately that, that winning t- team, losing money model. Right, <laughs> right. You know, there's plenty of businesses that can re- can relate yeah, to that. Yeah. Um, but you know, that was team number one that was ultimately financially unstable that that caused it um, to kind of kind of shudder. So, um, had enough of that. You know, we're, we're now we're in now we're in kind of the financial recession time period 2008 or so which which was not a shiny period for racing and um moved to the uk um you know again you know set this lofty goal for myself you know first lofty goal was just get a job in racing right yeah and then next is hey if i'm going to be in racing i want to be at the absolute highest level um and what we were doing formula one right so you want to be in formula one you got to move to england uh, moved to England, go to grad school while I'm there. Um, grad, what type of grad school? Um, this was a master's in motorsport specific engineering. Only place in the world, if I'm correct. Yeah, right, that yeah. I think, this I, I think there's a few programs now, but yeah. yeah. But back then. Right. One of two, one of maybe one or two programs. Yeah. Um, in, in the specific. Pretty niche. Right. <laughs> right. Um, you know, and the school was a big feeder school to Formula One, and, and I thought Formula One was just the, the coolest, coolest thing in the world. Right. Yeah. Um, so I'm there, and while I'm there, um, you know, I, I didn't, 
uh, I didn't necessarily see England as a place I wanted to spend eternity, but I was willing, you know, willing to do it, to, to be in Formula One. And, and again, this is making a big commitment, right? It's sell everything you have, move to another country, sight unseen, just just doing it you know that's that that he's describing himself right now see he's he left that part of the story out and i knew it yeah he sold everything moved to england got into one of a kind program all because you're gonna race in formula one yeah right yeah everything all that not personally racing but working well yeah yeah working as an engineer in formula one um but it's kind of the you set a lofty goal and then you just I, I'd commend you on that. The survivability factors and then career length as a non-driver, it's more so owning the team. I, I applaud your direction. Yeah. Thank, <laughs> thank you. Thank no. you. Um, so while I'm there, you know, did work for a couple little teams, but at the same time, there was a, a team starting up in the U.S., a Formula One team in the U.S., which was the fir- first of its kind. Right. Oh, fantastic. I could live in the U.S. and do Formula One and everything I wanted, right? Yeah. Everything I thought I wanted. Yeah. More, more clearly stated. Yeah. With today's vision, um, and so again, you know, sell everything, moved to Charlotte where this team was starting. Um, you know, move, sight unseen. Maybe I came over for an interview. I don't think I'd even been to Charlotte before. And um, how'd you get that job? Um, that that was another example of you know just persistence i would say um you know just like when i tried to get my first job in racing you know it's it's sending in the resume um but then it's 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 calling it's following up it's um connecting with somebody else that's there it's working your network um and and just being yeah, I just figure it wasn't like an easy thing you're no. in the uk yeah the us is going to have one Formula One team. Yeah. And from over there, you managed to get hired here. So, I mean, it was like. <laughs> it took, yeah, it took a few phone calls for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, moved, moved to Charlotte and, you know, first day on the job, I could tell, you know, there were, there were some problems there. You know, we were on, on a, from a technical standpoint on a timeline, way behind yeah. to be ready for the first race. Um and soon enough, you know, probably within eight weeks, you know, this team financially was unstable. <laughs> um, and they, they, they kind of furloughed everybody, but Hey, we were, it was done. Um, so now I'm in Charlotte and I'm, I'm unemployed. Right. And went from, you know, what I thought was my dream job, yeah. um, thought I had landed my dream job in the U S um, to kind of, kind of unemployed and a lot Not of kind of like, you, yeah, definitely yeah, unemployed. You were unemployed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You yeah. had no job, no job, new car, new car. Yeah. Had, oh God. You know, cause it's my dream job, right? Of course. So, Blow it out. Yeah. New car. Um, uh, nice yeah. apartment. Yeah. Right. Um, no job. No yeah. job. Yeah. Race car team number three goes bankrupt. Right. And this one you had now cashed out in England, sold everything there, moved here. Now you're in Charlotte. Got a master's degree yeah. that will get you into Formula One. Right. And then one Formula One racing team in the U.S. that just hired you went bankrupt. How are you feeling right now? Um, you know, in that Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Frustrated. <laughs> Definitely frustrated. <laughs> I had a lot of free time. Um, but I, I, I think 
you know, looking back on it, I was able to shift pretty quickly, you know, and, and I think that's, that's definitely been a thing for me of, you know, it's, it's not how you get knocked down. It's how you stand back up. Yeah. Right. So, okay. Got knocked down, um, pop right back up and, you know, th- think I haven't thought about this for a long time, but thinking back on it, you know, um, you know, I immediately was, was back on the horse. Like, okay, what are the teams in the U S if I can't do formula one, what's the next highest level? Um, you know, what are those team managers email address? How do I get in touch with these people? How, how do I work my network to, to get a job? Um, but I spent my time in, in two other places. Um, one other place was I taught myself managerial accounting. Um, because what I identified, you know, going through three teams that were run financially poorly, yeah. um, you know, I said to myself, okay, I'm an engineer, but if I'm ever going to get to do what I love, which is, which is racing and engineering, if I'm ever in that position again, I'm going to make sure the business side is really being run, run well, run properly. Yeah. Um, and so that's what I did. I taught myself managerial accounting, you know, income statement, balance sheet, cash flow, you know, money coming in, money going out. How do you keep track of it? Um, turns out it's pretty simple, right? For, for, you know, for um, some people maybe, like, right. The fact you said you taught yourself that I'm like, okay, continue. It, it was, it was like, all right. So it was a boring couple of weeks, but yeah. Um, That's impressive. Couple, couple weeks. Yeah. Sarcasm aside, it's pretty damn impressive. <laughs> right. So, so these are the kind of things like, you know, you, you gotta make, you gotta make the commitment. Right. And it comes, it comes from in here. Right. You know, I've, I've heard you talk about on the, on the podcast, right. Um, you know, and, and, and in some of your courses, right. Like you can give people the tools to, to, for themselves sure. to become more powerful. Yeah. Right. Um, you, you say it better than I do, but. Well, I mean, yeah. it, it's essentially, it's the facilitation of possibility that it's like, I don't help anyone. I don't change anyone. You don't help or change anyone. All, all we can do is offer our experience and or tools that are experience based that will produce an outcome that's positive because we've lived it. Yeah. Yet absent the work, fucking that and five bucks will hook you up at Starbucks, right? Right. You know? Right. So. Morgan, the one thing that like I see like a trend in is that no point throughout even that's kind of an early part of your story even, but there's a lot of you put it getting knocked down and at no point do I hear, you know, you feeling sorry for yourself in any of those, you know, scenarios. Can you talk a little bit to that as far as like even that your, your most recent, uh, you know, experience that you shared as far as the formula one and then it doesn't exist in the U S and at no point was it like, damn, I made a mistake. Like I shouldn't have come back here. I shouldn't like you just got up and kept going, you know, what kind of went into that? It, to me, it seems like it's a more natural thing, but speak to that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And I wish I had some magic for you on there, mm-hmm. but that's part like, I think that is a gene for me where I just, I just don't have a rear view mirror. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, Hey, we're, we're going forward. And I, I think it's okay. Learn, learn a quick lesson, but you know, we're, we're looking ahead. Wow. Um, and, um, I think the, the quicker you can do that, um, 
the faster you're going to move forward. You end up back here. You got right. time on your hands. You spend it at two places. One, you taught yourself a little bit of um, team level accounting. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Taught myself accounting. That was just thrilling. Yeah. Um, and then spent some time in the gym. Right. So that, that was part of, you know, I, I think kind of, you know, had your, your mind body, body there. Yeah, which, which you go to yeah. church too, <laughs> right? You know, gotta gotta get you know get you your mind right. Third get, stop. Get your mind, yeah. Get your mind right. Um, but I was in the gym and I was wearing a racing T-shirt, and this this kind of unassuming guy comes over to me, says, uh, "Hey, hey, you race fan, right? You know, and we're we're in Charlotte, right? Which is a big uh, NASCAR, really the hub of NASCAR, yeah." And, um, you know, so I, I think, and, and when I tell people that, that in racing that I'm in NASCAR, uh, that I'm, when I tell people who don't know that I'm in racing, everybody thinks I'm in NASCAR, right? Right. I'm not in NASCAR. I'm now in sports car racing. Um, so, you know, here's another guy who wants to talk about NASCAR. Turns out he doesn't, right? Um, you know, I said, well, I'm not really a fan, but, you know, I work in the industry as a team manager. He just says... I'm, I'm John Bennett and I want to start a race team in Charlotte. It's like, oh, oh okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, tell me more. Tell me more. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, he, he, he says, um, you know, we, we didn't have a lot of time. He said, here, here's my card. I'm going to, you know, write, write your number on it. I'm going to call you tomorrow. Um, you know, I, I think I am never going to hear from this guy again, right? Guy calls me up. He said, hey, why don't you come down to my manufacturing company and, you know, we can kind of talk there. Um, and he said, name of the company is Composite Resources, right? Um, so I'm like, oh, okay, right? I'm kind of scratching my head. Um, you know, is this guy serious? And, you know, so I come down to his facility in, in, here in Rock Hill. And uh, he gives me this tour. And I mean, it is the same tour you guys got an hour ago. Yep. It's this pristine 55,000 square feet of, of composite manufacturing, doing high level aerospace defense work. Um, and we get the tour and, and, and we finish. He says, Yeah, you know, I started this business in my garage 20 years ago. Um, and we, okay. And we, we chat for a little bit, yeah. it, you know, he gives me kind of his concept for, for what a race team is. And I, I just said, man, I, I don't know you. Um, but if you can go from your garage to this, I'm in, yeah. we'll, we'll figure the rest out. Right. And, and so, um, you know, again, it's, it's taking, taking a big leap, right. And be willing to take that leap. And, um, you know, there, there's a healthy component of luck in there, right. To, to make this connection, um, but then it's also being o open to an opportunity sure. when it, when it comes in front of you. So, you know, it's like, okay, you want to start a race team? Like, great. You know, do you have a car? <laughs> no. <laughs> do you have a truck? No. Uh, do you have a screwdriver? No. So nothing, nothing, God, uh, nothing. So yeah, as, as you say, sits me down, laptop, um, office, bank account, fortunately. And, and we went to work, um, and you know that that's you know for anybody out there that, that's starting their own business they they know what that that feeling sure. is right like right you know a little 
little lonely. Um, you know, not sure where you start, right? You know, so, all right, let's let's make a list. Um, you know, what, what do we need? We need some people. We need some stuff. We need a plan. Screwdrivers, um, screwdrivers, cars, all the sure, stuff you right. asked about. Right, right. right. Yeah. We didn't have anything, anything. But but again, it comes back to having this good good foundation. And um, you know, John Bennett to me has been um, you know an, an amazing first boss then friend now business partner which which we'll get to um and and we've been on really amazing ride together so 2010 was our first season and we we started out he he himself was was racing um and we started out kind of in a junior formula and came came up with a plan of where where we really felt confident we could win the championship which we did in 2010 right off the bat um which allowed us kind of some recognition to take the next step um, competing in the American Le Mans series at the time. Um, so, you know, for, for some of your listeners, we're, we're talking about, um, you know, so the year's 2011, American Le Mans series was really known as um, you know, really top-level sports car racing in North America. Um, you know, it, it's since transitioned it now operates under the IMSA banner. Um, but, uh, you know, at the time that, that was, that was top level sports car racing in the U S and, and we're in it in year two. Um, you know, not, com- not necessarily competing in the top class. Um, but you know, went on to win as a privateer multiple back-to-back championships. You know, that, that's a very quick ride from zero to you know semi-amateur kind of championship um to really building out this whole organization so really success at at any level is success i mean that's a thrill i'm sure and for you guys to do it in your first year um, is a huge accomplishment um you know at that level but like what's what would take me through the emotions of that i mean as far as like really your first shot at it and then there you go and you you kind of achieve that tier of success what was that kind of like for you guys yeah i i think um you know i can only speak for myself but um i guess you talked coming back to your question about like getting knocked down Mm -hmm. right i think um for me um that was my way of like dealing with getting knocked down of losing my dream job right i i just poured everything I had into making that team successful. Like that was my way of, of dealing with it, um, was just going, you know, super hard at at a tough goal with, with no deviation from, from achieving that outcome. And, um, you know, I, I think for me along the way, like I was pretty greedy, right? So we won our first championship and I was like, Hey, that was, that was nice. Right. Let's, let's go to that next level. Um, and, in progressing the team. And I, and I think what we did really, really well and what I credit us, you know, we're, we're talking about my story here, but I, I just want to be super clear that this, this was, this is a team. I mean, we have, a ton of just amazing, super talented, best in the industry people here um, that I love, enjoy, love and enjoy working with every day. Um, but what what our biggest advantage was, and, and this is 
you know, this, this connects to anybody out there um, who's starting a business from scratch is you're, you're not bound by your past. You're not bound by, you know, I'd worked on a lot of teams previously where, you know, I come up with a better idea and, and you tell me, well, this is just the way we've always done it. We didn't have a way that we always did right. it. And so everything we were doing was we like fresh, like, hey, what's what's the best possible way we could do this? And and then because you weren't attached to an idea to begin with, you're not attached to your initial idea. So then you you are really prone to tuning it each and every race, getting better um, in this theme of constant improvement where you know we, we can win a race and still come back, sit around this table and come up with 20 ways to do it better yep. the following weekend. Um, I think something too that, yeah. we, uh, you know, Scott, Tom have talked a lot about is, is kind of going through the progression. If it's climbing a ladder or something like that, that you're the new guy, you know, at each level typically, uh, and kind of going through that. Um, and I think just kind of while we're on that segment of your guys' story, um, you know, what was it like to, after year one, you guys have success and then go up to that next level again and kind of reset. Um, and then, you know, obviously work through it and get to more wins and success and that kind of stuff. What was it like to kind of reset and, and be that new guy at that next level as you guys continue to rise up? Yeah. I think that's like the, the chip on the shoulder advantage, right? Like, Hey, I know, I know people are kind of, kind of watching and, um, skeptical, and I think for me, like the the bigger the challenge, right, the more I'm going to engage, the more I'm going to try and really, um, you know, put put that effort in. And um, so so for me, it's like, well, the stakes got higher. That just means I'm going to, you know, go at it even harder. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I like I liked that time. And I, I, I mean, I'm getting nostalgic. Like I miss that. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and that's a lot. You know, one, once we get closer to present tense, like you know, that's a lot of what I'm thinking about for the future is like, Hey, what's, what's an even bigger thing we could do a bigger risk mm-hmm. that we could take, um, you know, with, with some of the newer stuff that we're doing. I miss that. <laughs> yeah. So that takes us into your first few wins, but then the, you know, take us back overseas again. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, I guess, you know, Seg- segwaying for what Nate was saying there, you know, we, we win a couple of things, right. But then it does, we're not the new guys anymore. Right. So what, what is that next level? And, and coming back to, you know, a bit of my programming, right. I've always wanted, you know, trying to figure out what is that next challenge and the bigger the challenge, the more I'm motivated by, um, in our sport, a lot of automotive manufacturers, they don't run their own teams. They contract people like us to run their team. And, um, that to me, that was the next level. That's what I wanted. Um, and I wanted it just for the pure sporting challenge of it, but then circling back to this theme around running a financially stable organization. Um, you know, there's really only three ways to make money in racing. There's sponsorship, um, you know, which is, you see the sticker on the race car, right. And, and, even the top, top teams in NASCAR find that challenging. Um, you know, and I quickly said, Hey, if they can't do it, why can we do it? Um, you know, the other way is, is you have sort of what, what's known as a funded driver, right? So maybe one of the guys that's driving the car, he can bring some money, um, which is not uncommon in our sport. 
And that's a lot of what we were doing. That was sort of our business model. But you know, I quickly saw that wasn't sustainable and not wanting to make the same mistake as my previous uh, employers. You know, I said the, the only way that we can make money is by having an association with an automotive manufacturer where we handle the, the real, you know, they do the development, we do the going racing. Now we're in time periods 2012, right? So won a couple championships. I, I do a study of the whole automotive industry. Who, who is or who is going to run a factory program that might want to hire our company? And, um, you know, I, I, I do my research. And I, I come up with three brands and I, I start just, you know, how, how do I get in touch with these brands? Who, who do I know there? Um, how can I, how can I connect with these people? And, you know, in, in motorsport, the way I explain it is like your industry has a trade show every two weeks and your product competes with everybody else's product. And there's a very clear winner every weekend. That is the racing industry. Wow. Um, that's perspective get get used to it yeah um so un, not unlike our trade show you know at a race weekend you can you can network quite quite a bit and, and get in, to get in touch with different people but um you know i identified porsche you know i kind of got wind that in it was 2012 at the time in 2014 they were they're were gonna have a factory program so again you know i have this very very clear direction you know, fairly lofty goal. And hey, we're, you know, we got a new one. We're, yeah. we're going for it. We're going, going for Porsche. A, we're going for another ride. And um, there's a, a big, any, any, of your, any of your fans that, that um, watch sports car racing, there's a big race in Le Mans, France, 24 hours of Le Mans. So I knew they'd be there. Thought that'd be a good place to connect with them. Get, get a, a lukewarm intro from a contact of mine. You know, okay, fine. You, you can meet them at their suite and they'll, they'll give you five minutes and, you know, knock on the door. Uh, so it's me and John Bennett. And um, I wouldn't say they patted me on the head, but, you know, it was like, uh, okay, okay, kid. You, yeah. you know, you're cute. Yeah. You're who, cute. Who are yeah. You we like your spirit. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the CEO of Porsche Motorsport in North America still, still gives me a hard time. Um, you know, we had made a very nice brochure, right? Oh, yeah. You know, shiny. Sh oh, oh yeah, one page slick. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and um, but again, it's like it's just doing the things that you have control over, doing them a hundred percent, right? I didn't, yeah. I didn't have much, yeah. But that's what I had, and I, I did it a hundred percent, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and it, it left just enough of an impression that you know a couple races later i follow up with them follow up with them and um you know, just really persistent enough that you know fast forward we're mid 2013 now and you know they throw out a tender to to several teams to to bid on the program and we were, we were persistent enough and and it was a lot of um just listening to what their needs were i i think a lot of times when people go to sell something, they're focused on selling what they want to sell, mm -hmm. right? So like a lot of times when they look for sponsorship, they're like, hey, we need money. We can put sticker, we can put your sticker on our car, right? Or, um, you know, really, really selling anything. You've created the product. Don't, don't sell what you're selling. Sell what people are buying, yeah. you know, and the only way you, you, you can sell what people are buying is to really listen to what their needs are. 
Um, you know, and I think that's what we did well with Porsche. What, what's important about this program? What does success look like for you? Um, you know, that, that's a lot. What we talk about with the manufacturing business is, is understanding what does success look like for our customer um, and how we can achieve that. So, um, so yeah, tw 2014, we, we were awarded the contract with Porsche and straight out of the gate, uh, we win we win 24 hours Daytona, 12 hours of Sebring, and go on wow. to win the championship in, in 2014, um, which was just, you know, that that's a real, that was a real highlight for me, for sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah. really, just uh, the, the quick highlight reel in there, that's why, you know, one of the many reasons you impressed me, it's like the guy just talked about going from failing out of college to parlaying a passion and an education to going for broke on the West Coast, to going for broke in England, back to Charlotte, going for broke again, literally ended up broke, meet a guy in a gym, and now you just told me a story about getting the contract with Porsche and winning out of the gate, right? It's nuts, bro. <laughs> like you, you sit there and you <laughs> talk you it about way, it. Yeah, I guess so. Well, that's how I <laughs> yeah. see you. That's, I yeah. don't even think. It's like and, and you're so dead, you know, for most times – Fucking Brady's Brady's like dead yeah. pan. This is what we got. You know right. what we call it's like Spooner Brady. Fuck yeah. boom bullet points. Right. Yeah. So you're given this story in bullet point, and right. like I so said, if I give my bullet point version that you, that you were just like, wow, yeah, that kind of happened. And I also bring that up as like success just didn't happen. You created it, and fuck yeah. luck. I'm not gonna. You can have luck if you want. For me, it doesn't exist. Right. Sure. You you created it. This goes back to more powerful humans. You said it was so because you said so. And that's it. No one else was saying so. Yeah. You know, you said so. And when I look at the brand that is globally known, Porsche Racing. Right? Right. And you tripped me out whenever I found out that, that you did everything. You do. You, when I say you, your team, Corrado Sports, provides everything except the driver. Yeah. Right. I had no idea that that model exists. And yeah. then what that meant to me, just instant credibility to your organization, because like kind of funny to me that Porsche doesn't own and control that yet they trust you at the end of the day like that's huge man oh yeah like yeah <laughs> yeah yeah like, and, they, and to be fair i mean that they are you know they're highly involved with the program sure. but it, it's a big you know we and it's something we really talk about here right you know we're we're we are you know that next chapter in porsche's racing history and, it, and it's a real you know every every time you put the shirt on you know it's a real responsibility and um you know, we're glad to be good custodians. Oh, of, of absolutely. That well, that's yeah. the the weight of that brand. Right. When you put it on, oh, yeah. you know, it's like, woof, that yeah, comes it's a heavy weight. shirt. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, you know, absolutely. Yeah. So you went on to get the contract renewed. Yeah. Three years later. Yeah. Right? So, so we're really in, um, you know, we're, we're several years into this and, and we're on for the next couple of years. And, um, you know, it's, it's really what turned into, you know, oh my gosh, I can't believe we got the contract. Oh my gosh, we won a race to, we won a championship to, yeah. you know, we're, we're, I think we're on year eight, uh, sorry, year seven of this. Um, and, and, you know, it's still the, the same things that made us good in the beginning of, um, you know, not being too tied into past procedures sure right past ways of operations always keeping it fresh um you know it's like strong beliefs loosely held right so yeah. um it's yeah this worked for us before but what circumstances have changed that's not working now 
how do we be better? Um, I mean, that, yeah. that falls right in alignment of the simple model of, hey, they don't call them art of truths. They call them artifacts. The facts are in the, mm. in the past. Mm. The, truth like is, that. the truth is relative to individual yeah. and current reality yeah. and nothing more. And so to be constrained by any of the facts of the past that may or, not, may or may not be true in the moment, right? That's a mindset. That's a way of being. That's any agile team's way of not only surviving but thriving in a, one of the most highly competitive worlds that known to mankind, right? That things happen. I've seen your shit out back and the number of engineers you've got sitting right. behind, the number of computers and the monitoring, right? We're talking about precision. Oh, yeah. You know, and so that mindset of evolution, uh, yesterday's truth, absolutely today's lie. We swore we'd never do this on race day, yet today we're doing it, right? Because there are no absolutes. Yeah. Um, that's where the experience, that's where your story around, that's why it was to me important that everybody hears it, right? You cut your teeth for five years on a gritty team. You went with another team that went back, like a lot of problems, mm. a lot of struggle, a mm. lot of turmoil, adversity, let's say, might you know? And, um, like, so what were the consistence, your mindset to me, your mindset was consistent. You knew you were going there and nothing's going to get in the way of it. It didn't matter if it was in Charlotte or in London or Australia. Uh, I've known you long enough to know that that's always going to be the case. Sure. 